Welcome to episode 158 of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This time around, we're looking at Season 7, Episode 8, The Amazing Malini. The original air date was January 16th in the year 2000. Average IMDb user score is 8.3 out of 10, and the action primarily takes place in California. This one was directed by Thomas J. Wright in his third and final X-Files directing job. It was written by Frank Spotnitz, who's a huge fan of stage magic and the driving force behind this episode, as well as Vince Gilligan and John Scheiben. Now, this is an entertaining story about two magicians working a con to get access to FBI credentials and pull off an incredible bank heist. They initially appear as adversaries, with Mulder realizing that they are actually working together partway through. This episode is also the source of the Scully in a Top Hat meme, which honestly may be more popular on my Facebook timeline than on yours, I'll admit that. And it's, I think, one of the stronger Season 7 episodes to date with our agents having actual agency and influence on the case. And it's also a nice change to have what appears to be a completely mundane explanation for seemingly supernatural events, which is a good break from the formula for this series, because even if these guys have a reputation for investigating the supernatural, if they come back from every single case saying, yeah, that was the supernatural thing, their superiors are going to start to say, okay, you're looking for it, right? There's great casting with Ricky Jay and Jonathan Lovett, who play all the roles convincingly, and they are actual magicians. Ricky Jay plays the amazing Malini and the Pinchback Twins. He's also known for Magnolia, Boogie Nights, Tomorrow Never Dies, and Heist. And he passed away in November of 2018 at age 72. Jonathan Lovett only has 17 acting credits to his name, but he often has production credits working behind the scenes in miscellaneous crew capacities, presumably as an advisor on movies with magician characters, because there's movies like Now You See Me and The Incredible Burt Wonderstone that definitely have magician characters. So I'm guessing that's what miscellaneous crew means in that case. This is a difficult story to predict and anticipate. You're never quite sure what their goals are. For a while, it looks like it's to get revenge on Sissy Alvarez, played by Robert Lasardo, who's also known for Psych the Movie, Parlor, and Nip Tuck. He's got 174 acting credits to his name, often in one-time appearances as some sort of tough criminal. There's also a nice bit of continuity in the fact that the bank that they're trying to rob is the Craddock Marine Bank, which we previously saw as the bank Mulder kept dying in back in the episode titled Monday. So I like the twist and turns. I even like that they had to release them due to lack of evidence. There's no magical wrap-up that says, hey, we've got proof that you did it because you touched this or did that. It's a little more realistic that sometimes the criminals do get away because you can't prove that they did it. I just found it was very elaborate and questioned whether it's really the only or best way to get Mulder's fingerprint. I mean, first, without the fingerprints on the pop cup, which could have easily been missed or cleaned, they couldn't have gotten their way to one of the magicians involved. I'm also thinking, just trying to get Mulder's fingerprint off the card he pulled out of the deck in the first place, is that the only or best way to get it? Wouldn't they have transferred and preserved that fingerprint immediately rather than just shoving it in a wallet and hoping it doesn't get smudged? And did pulling the card out by the corner even leave enough of the fingerprint behind to be used for these purposes? It works really well when you're watching it, going scene, 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 and guessing and 
you know, getting caught up in the red herrings and not really having a long time to think about any one aspect. It worked for me when I watched it the first time. It worked for me watching it this time. But as I was thinking and planning and working through it for this podcast, the cracks in the plan really started to show. Now, as far as the science is concerned, aside from a couple of magic tricks, you know, with Malini turning his head around 360 degrees, or the other magician, you know, setting his hand on fire and having a notebook jump into it, there's nothing here that's really impossible or even pretending to be. The characters admit that they are illusionists, and they're saying that these are tricks rather than magic. So I'm willing to say that the science here works, and in story there are mundane explanations for those two tricks, even if we don't yet know what they are, because that's simply the nature of the beast. So not a lot to say about this one. This is going to be one of our shorter episodes in a while. Join us again in two weeks' time for Signs and Wonders. Thank you for listening.